listening to Mind Grenade. I'm your host, Hector, and we've got another installment of our discussion show dedicated to The Mandalorian on Disney+. And the way this works is as the episodes drop the second season, I welcome a guest, and we have our discussion with our reaction to the latest episode. Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5, here's your warning. We will be discussing Chapter 13, The Jedi, in detail. So if you're not caught up, use caution moving forward. And for this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back David Hopkins. Uh, David is a podcaster, comic book professional, letterer, designer. He's worked for a myriad of comic book companies. But before that, uh, the very first book I bought from uh, David was uh, his collaboration with his Hideous Energy co-host, Hideous Energy podcast. David and Austin put together a book, a graphic novel called Reproduct, and uh, I'm lucky to have a copy of that. But uh, lately... More currently, David's worked on uh, on a book called Juliet Takes a Break uh, for Boom Studios, which is a coming-of-age graphic novel, and it's actually out, out this week on December 1st, and uh, that looks very interesting. That's, um, like I said, a coming-of-age story, really vibrant artwork, and interestingly, what I notice about this project is that the main protagonist is, uh, is a young Puerto Rican teenage girl which uh, uh, is refreshing. You don't see that very often <laughs> in, a, in a protagonist in, in comic books. So uh, I did uh, appreciate that very much, uh, considering um, that uh, I'm of Puerto Rican descent. And uh, let's see, what else has David worked on? He's got a Kickstarter project that he's involved in of a book titled Forgotten Hymns. And the first issue is a 22-page noir crime that mixes Lovecraftian madness and monsters. So that's on Kickstarter, and uh, uh, as of this recording, it's got 10 days left. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's either about to reach its goal or it's already reached its goal, but um, it's still, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's got 10 days left, and uh, you should go check that out. And speaking of Lovecraftian madness and monsters, David is the co-host of the world's best horror podcast, Eerie International Podcast, and the international... Part of it is that his co-hosts, uh, David's uh, from the U.S., and um, his co-hosts are Dave Roberts, uh, an English chap from the U.K., and uh, Andy, Preller, Andy Preller, Andy Preller, excuse me, uh, of Germany. And um, they, uh, they have all kinds of fun on that podcast uh, reviewing horror movies. So um, I, I've listened, I've been listening to David uh, podcast for phew, boy, it's been a <laughs> it's been a long time, and uh, and for good reason. David's uh, a delight uh, on um, in, in any discussion that I've had with him, and and listening to him um, uh, for years uh, on his comic book podcast, Hideous Energy, with with Austin, his his co-host on that particular podcast. So um, I, I I'm super stoked that he he was on on uh, this episode of the uh mandalorian after show here so um without further ado let's get into it man this is such a good episode this uh episode episode five chapter 13 the jedi directed by dave filoni showrunner of the star wars animated show clone wars so enjoy this episode of mind grenade
right, David, David Hopkins. Um, I wanted to ask you if you had a Star Wars memory from your youth, some nostalgia uh, Star Wars stuff, or okay. a favorite Star Wars toy or thing. So toy or thing, you know, action figures or video games or anything that just comes to mind. So just something from your youth that... Uh, sure. Uh, I can answer both immediately. Uh, the the fir- I know you said or, but I'm going to tell you both because we're short answers. <laughs> uh, the first one is, so I was at like the perfect age when the special editions came out, the re-releases in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have been uh, probably seven or eight when those started coming out with the special editions with like the added CG scenes mm-hmm. and stuff that, that people hate. Uh, mm-hmm. But for what they were doing was perfect because for me, I, I would have missed the seventies original releases of these movies. I wasn't born. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was psyched about star. Wars. I was like, Oh, I've never seen these movies. Uh, and so at the comic book shop that we went to, my dad bought me the, they did a, a comic book adaptation of a new hope. It was like a graphic novel, probably like 90 pages long, maybe. Wow. Um, Bruce Jones wrote it, who later went on to do a run on the incredible Hulk that people liked a yeah. lot. So that was early was on like for his run. career. It sounds like, yeah, yeah, probably, 97 mm-hmm. i'm guessing right something like that mm-hmm. um and so yeah i read and reread that thing constantly I, I i don't know if i still have but if i do it's at my my dad's house somewhere but uh and i remember being fascinated by the scene in the cantina where uh obi-wan cuts off um uh what's his name i can't remember the dude with the tusks his, right. his arm off mm-hmm. in the graphic novel there's this like not a geyser of blood, but definitely blood. Like, and I remember thinking, like, I thought that they wouldn't bleed because of the light. Like, I remember that was like, I couldn't let go of that. Yeah. Toy wise. Uh, so then the prequels start coming out. That creates a merchandising boom, obviously. Um, but then from all eras of Star Wars, which at that point would have only been the original trilogy and then like the first uh, prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so they started doing Legos, uh, Star Wars Legos, which now are massive. There's Lego Star Wars movies and games and everything. Right. Back then it was pretty new. Um, but I got the Slave One uh, for Christmas. Oh, and that cool. was like my favorite set. Like I yeah. build and rebuild and had a little Boba Fett with it. And <laughs> that was my my main like favorite Star Wars toy. Yeah. Uh, Boba Fett's ship is like one of like next to the Millennium Falcon. Well, also, oh boy, I'm going the best, slippery yeah, slope for because like there's so many cool ships in in Star Wars. The, the I have I have kind of a controversial opinion, maybe. Okay, I think the ship in the Mandalorian kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the uh, well, and you can just comparing it to the Slave One. It's uh, the what I've noticed is that the Razor Crest looks like the ships from like something like from the prequel era that would just like yeah somehow survived and i don't yeah and I don't, i'm not trying to like dunk on like these this this franchise has like some of the best if not the best you know concept artists and designers you know yeah. in entertainment so yeah. it, it's not me trying to say like i could do better just like personal preference <laughs> the wise, choice I'd, it's never yeah it's never clicked for me i've, I've always yeah. thought it was kind of a boring looking ship for yeah. what, what is otherwise such a cool show like mm-hmm. such a um aesthetically different to mm-hmm. me it, it just kind of looked like a ship like it's and I don't know, maybe my expectations of Slave One, I didn't expect it to be like the Slave One, but uh, that one's so iconic mm-hmm. that I want, but I don't know. I I actually tweeted about this a couple weeks ago, and then like 30 seconds later, I got too scared and I deleted the tweet, because yeah. I was like, I'm going to make somebody mad. Or... <laughs> no, uh, you, you do, and as part of my notes uh, for a little later, but uh, I'll bring it up now, is the... Uh the uh the artwork at the end of the episodes with the credits and oh, stuff man. especially this episode i was like yeah. 
several of those could be fucking posters that, that I would buy right away. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Totally. Yeah. Um, it, it's very um, reminiscent of the uh, the original, um, I forget the guy's name from the original um, Star Wars movies, um, the Ralph concept McCoy. artist. Who's that? Ralph McQuarrie. Yes, Ralph, Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love yeah. that artwork. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, so uh, I, I did a little spoiler alert uh, in front of the episode. So um, just, but I'll reiterate. Yeah, we're, we'll a, a, anything goes with uh, with this episode. We'll get into it. So let me uh, kind of place this where we're at in the uh, saga. We are five years after Return of the Jedi. Our main character, a bounty hunter, who's taken on a quest to return the child in quotes safely to its people, the mystical Jedi. So um, we are. All right, we can get into the discussion. So um, about the show, um, you've already kind of touched a little bit on it. Um, your general feelings on the series as a whole and any criticisms of the first season in particular? Love the show. I think it was, overall, I think it was exactly the healing salve that I needed after <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, which I was not a fan of. Yeah, um, I'm definitely in the uh, Last Jedi's, like, the best of the new I, ones. Same here. I, I so love unapologetically. I don't give a crap what other people think. I yeah, love that episode. Yeah. I, and I get it. I, I understand that star Wars, everyone's going to have a different take and what they want out of it. That's totally fine. But, um, I thought Ryan Johnson did, you know, the most interesting stuff, uh, in terms of doing more with the franchise and taking it into new directions. So it wasn't so much that I didn't expect them to roll with every idea with that. I just didn't expect it to be such a, just such a kind of loud, boring, not great movie. Mm -hmm. um, so I say all that to say I was really just fatigued with Star Wars in general by the time it came out and it, you know, all the hype and all the discussion and then all the conversations and arguments that um, I'm trying to remember Mandalorian would have been, when did that come out? Season one? Was it before? I think it was before. Before? Like that felt like the... Oh, I'm sorry, Maybe David. It ended after the because I remember one of the episodes towards the end of the first season, they show the child using kind of healing powers with the Force, and yeah. then in Rise of Skywalker, she uses right. that same. So it was around. It was still going, yeah. yeah. But when it came out, so it it felt like the one thing that brought everybody together, regardless of how you felt about the new movies. It mm -hmm. kind of seemed like most everyone liked the Mandalorian. Um, and it, it felt safe, but not in a way that Force Awakens felt safe, which I like Force Awakens, but so like that's I. a real safe movie. Like yeah. they're they're hitting the same beats because, you know, they want to make sure yeah. everybody's happy. Yep. Um, Mandalorian's safe, but in a different way. I think it just it feels more like fans are making it mm -hmm. and and, you know, are really nailing what's cool about Star Wars. Um, now, they had still kind of like that curveball in the first season with introducing the child mm -hmm. and you know, everyone's minds kind of are blown. Cause it's like, we've only seen two of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for most people just Yoda, they don't remember the other one. Right. Um, Yaddle or whatever. Yeah, Yaddle, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so I saw so many memes this week where, uh, for this episode where it was Ahsoka Tano saying, I've only seen one of these. And then like the next frame is Yaddle. And it's like, am I a joke to you? Like, do you not, mm -hmm. okay, do you not remember yeah. me? everyone's already forgotten her. Yeah. So, Anyway, uh, criticisms, not really. I mean, I, I think with Star Wars, like my, my expectations are in such a place, maybe because of the sequel trilogy where I'm just kind of like, look, I don't expect a ton out of it. Yeah. 
um, which was where I lowered my expectations a ton after The Last Jedi Yeah. in preparation for Rise of Skywalker. Is that what it's called, Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of lazy kind of title. Yeah. yeah, I don't even remember. Um, and so, uh, yeah, anyway, I, I think it... it, it I, I kind of want just good Star Wars stuff, mm-hmm. and it feels like good Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Um, I think I was maybe a little bit too hyped for the first season before it came out, so when it did feel kind of, um, you know, safe yeah, and, yeah. and episodic and stuff like mm-hmm. that, um, I wasn't let down, but I was like, okay, this isn't quite what I was, you know, hoping it maybe would be. Now, that's shifted a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of the season, I felt like they really were doing – more inventive stuff than I expected with introducing like the dark saber stuff mm-hmm. and bringing that in. Um, I loved the IG's uh, IG units arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really well done. Um, and then in season two, I'll tell you what, man, like the number one thing I see people complain about, I don't have a problem with it all. And that's the whole idea of it feeling, you know, very, very episodic in the sense that it's like, he goes to a planet. He yeah. needs something. You're getting strung along. Him, yeah. Yeah. We'll help you, but you have to help us with this thing. Okay. Go to the next thing. A man, my wife Amanda complains about it every single week, <laughs> and, and every single week I'm like, I, I understand, I see that it's there, I can see that if yeah. you were annoyed by that, how it would be annoying. Yeah. Um, to me, it feels, it almost harkens back to like the sort of '70s style of like the Incredible Hulk TV show right. and and shows like that, where it's just, I mean, he's a drifter. You yeah. Know? This in the sec- second season, especially, uh, and then throughout kind of his arc in the first season, he has a mission, he's trying to get somewhere. Um, but like, that's kind of his life is, is mm-hmm. going from place to place, getting mixed up with, in something, whether mm-hmm. it's for a job or just because as a character, his, his moral compass is, you mm-hmm. know, getting more defined at this point. Um, I think it's great. I, the first season, I think there was one episode, one or two episodes toward the end where I felt kind of like, yeah, that was good. But you know, it was, it was kind of fillery. Yeah. Um, second season, I understand the criticism. I also saw somebody say that it feels like a video game. Cause he's like, go to the subjective, get yeah. this new item. And he has kind of done that in this episode. He gets a new weapon. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go to this new place for, to find a new Jedi maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just so much fun. I mean, yeah. it's, it's such a cool show. It's fun. It's funny. It's entertaining. Uh, and then this episode in particular, I won't jump ahead too mm-hmm. much, but this one I feel like elevates it a bit to where it's not just that it's a fun show. Yeah. They start doing some crazy stuff in yeah. a multitude of ways, which yeah. I was really excited about. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much there with you, too. Uh, I, I watched Rise of Skywalker twice. <laughs> it was the last movie I saw, uh, or before the pandemic, so I had seen mm-hmm. it twice. And uh, um, the the best way to describe and, and I don't hate it. Um, it's to me, it's like the complete middle of the like. If I were to rank all the Star Wars movies, that one's right in the middle, which yeah. I I kind of uh, mediocrity is to me. It's a little bit worse than just it being just all bad. Yeah, but me too. <laughs> it's uh to me, it's it's the movie. Okay, my mom does not like any sci-fi. My dad is where I got a lot of my tastes uh he would uh, we would watch my dad would sit me down and watch westerns and kung fu movies and sci-fi stuff star trek star wars um the uh uh the uh so with my mom not just being into sci-fi at all right rise of skywalker is the movie i imagine non-star wars people imagining in their head when you're describing it to them (laughs) right like it just like (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, yeah, like find it, 
get a key that you have to take somewhere yeah. to hold up and it makes an app like all, all that kind of stuff which, which for me i was like man this kind of sucks but yeah it, it feels very I, I totally know what you're saying yeah um and and i i don't you know i don't hate the movie i don't think yeah. it's it's awful yeah it was just kind of a like you get to an end of nine movies and you're like man yeah. kind of, it, it's hard not to be disappointed yeah but it wasn't Oh, a slam dunk, but mm-hmm. it's okay. And, and then The Last Jedi, to me, when I defend, when people are like, oh, man, it just, like, I get it. When I first watched it, I was like, what? It's constantly trying to uh, buck expectations, like, every step. Right. Where at, when you're first watching, you're like, what? This doesn't feel, ver- this, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's almost Star Wars, but, you know. Right. And then, um, but the one thing that gets me about that episode is that it's the only episode where I get choked up. I get emotionally, oh, yeah. where, like, in several yeah. po- points in it, where most Star Wars movies don't, yeah. uh, have never really done that for me. I, I'm yeah. a huge fan, but it's never gotten, like, tugging on my heartstrings yeah. like that movie did. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, and it'll, plus it'll visually, be, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a crazy thing to say, but I definitely think it's true. Like people are going to be talking about that movie forever. Yes. And I have not heard a single person talking about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and it's okay. People like that movie. I don't, you know, I'm not upset yeah. with people digging it, mm-hmm. but like talk about a movie that just kind of was forgotten right away. Right like, away. Yeah. So Where, that's fine. If you dig the movie, that's, that's cool. You got three good ones out of them. But. Yeah. Uh, well, and then Empire, because Empire wasn't apparently, because I was too young. I was... When I came online as a kid, I uh, uh, I was born in '77 when A New Hope came out. So okay. the the when I came online was um, uh, Return of the Jedi is what what I remember first. Yeah, yeah. And sure. uh, Empire was when I was a teenager, and I was like, oh fuck, this is the one <laughs> for me. Right, I even yeah. still, even not being not even judging it as a Star Wars movie, that's a near perfect movie. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, if you try to pick at it and try to critique it, it's very little right. that you can... Um, right. So, um, but Empire apparently wasn't a beloved then, and then through right. time it became, like, yeah. most people's go-to uh, as the, yeah. the best one in the saga. Um, so, all right. So, um, let's get into this episode. Uh, chapter 13, The Jedi, which fucking sweet title to this episode. <laughs> um, our, prota- our protagonist's journey to um, um, the forested planet Corvus, uh, which mm-hmm. is currently ruled by a cruel magistrate who has made a powerful enemy. And they get right into it right away with that part of the like episode. Man, so, like, we can just we get into it. We knew Ahsoka Tano was coming, but like... Yeah, they don't, there's no build up to it. There's no, you know, like cinematic crazy reveal. Like she's just like, I, I said out loud when she showed up in the first minute where I was like, oh, they're just, uh, there she is. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just getting into it, which uh, is very cool. Like it's, it's immediately kind of an overload. If you know who the character is, this is a situation where much like, um, what, two episodes ago when we saw. Uh, crap, what's her name? The uh, one played by Starbuck. Yeah. Um, Can't even remember her real yeah. name. I'm using Alistar Galactica names. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I, I don't know she that was, character that well, but she she's also from the... She's from Rebels or Clone yeah. Wars, yeah. Mm-hmm. So much like that, we have a character who's, you know, an animated character who is now in live action, which is such a weird and rare thing anyway. I mean, you almost never see, see that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only time before that was what the, the ship from Rebels is in Rogue One. Um, in a, in a scene from far away, which seemed crazy where it was like, oh, they've, you know, we get that they're all the same universe, but they still feel separate. 
Um, so immediately, like this over sensory overload of like, holy crap, that's Ahsoka Tano. Like, how does she look? How did they translate it? Is the makeup good? Mm-hmm. Is she going to look like right. the thing? It still feel like is Rosario Dawson's performance going to be? Um, you know, satisfying to long-term fans. But then for people like my wife who are watching it, who have no experience with Star Wars or very little, it's just another character. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a show where every single episode has some new random, you know, guest star in it for the most part. Um, so it was, uh, I mean, even like when we watched the episode, she's talking about the Jedi and stuff. And Amanda was like, so are the Jedi good or bad? And I paused it and I was like, I'm thinking about it from Ahsoka Tano's perspective. I'm thinking about it in terms of like how much do I explain to her, like with the Sith and like, and cause it's Star Wars and Amanda has very little experience. And I was like, do you want me to answer that question? And she was like, no, just play it. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so like for her, it, the episode still works. You yeah. Know? She, she thinks Ahsoka is, is, is awesome. Like yeah. she looks super cool. She's got these twin lightsabers. Uh, and then for me who I haven't watched all of those shows, mm-hmm. I've seen some of the episodes I've read stuff about her. I know who she is. Uh, it's super cool too, because it, it works on multiple levels. And the only time I paused it to like, kind of, you know, inject the, the room with some geek stuff was when she was talking about not wanting to train Grogu, I guess is his name. Yeah. Now, the kid, um, because she senses hate in him, which a, that's awesome because mm-hmm. he's this been like cute merchandising thing. So there's like hate in this little <laughs> muppet, which is crazy. Uh, but then also because she's seen what that does mm-hmm. to firsthand. Uh, yeah. Jedi. Right. And so that was a moment where I paused it and I was like, okay, so her master was Anakin Skywalker, which still doesn't mean anything to Amanda. Mm-hmm. And I'm explaining it and I'm like, eventually he's this great Jedi. Eventually he becomes Darth Vader. And she was like, Oh, okay. So Filoni did a fantastic job of like writing his character, you know, mm-hmm. one of his things, bringing that corner of his world into this show while still making it absolutely accessible to, you know, the millions of people at Disney plus that maybe don't know all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still working. And that's one of the many reasons I think this episode, honestly, probably I've been thinking about it a lot. Cause I knew we were going to be talking. I think this might be the best episode of this series. Uh, season one and two. I, I agree. And I just watched it, but that's what I felt too. Like, uh, yeah, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> also, so good. Just quick side note, like the pacing is very um, steady and even, um, yeah, which I appreciated. Uh, Bo-Katan, like Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan, yeah, yeah thank you. The yeah. character that Katie Sackhoff played. It's Katie Sackhoff. It's like 37, 38 minutes long. I, I was looking at it again today. I watched it last night and then was rewatching parts of it today. And like, so we have like the opening action sequence, um, which is super cool, and she's you know in and out of the mist and all that stuff, and then. Uh, it is basically setup, atmosphere, plot, like heavy plot stuff happening for the series. Like this isn't a side quest. Like this is a major. Yes, it felt that way. Yeah, being addressed. Yeah, uh, big revelations. Mm-hmm. Both for um, uh, for Mandalorian. Din, I don't. People don't really call him Din Jaren, but um, the Mandalorian. Is that is that his name? Is that his actual name? I didn't realize. Yeah, in season one. Oh, well, first. Pedro Pascal said it in an interview before they revealed oh, it on the show. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. But, but then, yeah. But then I think it's in the I think it's in the finale of season one. All right. Um, he says his name is Din Jaren, and you get more about it. Okay. But but I, people don't really call him that. I think everybody just calls him Mando or yeah. Mandalorian. Uh, anyway, um, big revelations to him on what the Jedi are, what role maybe she kind of plays. You know, they have, like, historically – um, not getting, they don't get along Mandalorians and Jedi mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so you have all this like awesome, you know, pop culture, star Wars, heavy stuff that works in 
and then you have a big action sequence at the end. And one of my favorite things, hands down, about this episode is I've always loved westerns, and then yeah. um, and you talked earlier about some of this stuff, like the old genre stuff. So westerns, and then um, like Japanese samurai movies, Akira yeah. Kurosawa, and they always meld anyway. So yeah. like you know he successfully sued Sergio Leone when he made a fistful of dollars because yeah. he was like, hey, that's your or Sanjuro, whichever one it was. Um, but then you've got stuff like Seven Samurai being remade as mm -hmm. Magnificent Seven as a western and it's it's you know eastern and western approaches and executions with their own histories and styles but it's very much the same characters and stories and archetypes mm -hmm. and everything obviously this isn't anything new we've seen you know these genres also meld over the years star wars has been that it was what a new hope was based off of uh the hidden fortress right. by kurosawa mm -hmm. um han solo has been this like space cowboy dude like western kind of archetype right. or whatever in this episode, you get both, and it's so cool. Like yeah. the the aesthetic and the style that they do in this mm -hmm. is so awesome. Where it's this melding of of samurai film, and then even down to the moment where uh, uh, Mando and Michael Bean is in this. Yeah, episode. I didn't realize it was him till I looked it up afterwards. He's great, yeah. so I'm glad. Yeah. Oh, Michael Bean's awesome, but yeah. it was crazy that he showed up and then unfortunately dies. Mm -hmm. um, they have a like straight up spaghetti western yeah you know standoff duel in the street mm -hmm. while they can hear yeah a, like katana sounding because of the staff wow yeah like samurai fight and then even in the concept art at the end one of the frames of uh ahsoka tano fighting is like in a dojo like they don't even try to hide that it's like the yeah. paper walls and stuff like so they lean heavy into that and it i thought it worked so well it was like, like it, a, ba a nice balance between the two then work yeah yeah, yeah. Even down to the end when they have, which the score in this show I think is great. Mm -hmm. uh, I love his theme. I hum it at the beginning yeah. and end of every episode. It gets stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. um, they do kind of like a like a flute kind of um, yeah. cover of it at the end that's yeah. like also kind of in the spirit mm -hmm. of it. I, I would be shocked if this hasn't been an episode that's been in Filoni's head. Uh, maybe since the beginning of them getting the show ready. Yeah. I don't know how far back they had it this far planned. Yeah. Uh, but it was just like... This dude showed up to make this episode. He wrote and directed it. Uh, he wrote and directed one in the first season, too. It wasn't as, like, um, you know, series-shaking as this one was mm -hmm. in this season. Um, but this one just feels like he's there, man. Like, and, yeah. and you watch... Have you watched the documentary thing they did on Disney Plus? No, about the making no, of? not yet. Uh, it's really good. I haven't watched all of it, but the at least the first episode, they, they look at all the directors, and Filoni's telling stories, and he's just like... <laughs> this giant dork who got picked by, by Lucas to right. come in. Uh, but he's authentic. Like he, mm -hmm. he loves this stuff and it, this very much feels like a story he's had forever yeah. to kind of take the show in a step in the next direction. But then also his old characters mm -hmm. I'm talking way too much, but I've just been so no, excited about well, this. <laughs> that's great. Uh, did you notice any, cause I, I I'm very, lim I, I've watched very few, uh, clone the, the animated stuff. I haven't watched any of the rebels, but I've watched, um, uh, I watched some of the Clone War stuff, um, that he was the showrunner for, Dave Filoni, right? Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm in the same, okay, somewhat the okay. same place you are. I didn't know until years later that the Clone War show was good, because I remembered when the movie came out, yeah, yeah, and everyone panned. hated yeah. that movie, mm -hmm. and it didn't make any money. Right. And so I always assumed that that show yeah. was just, or, you know, not great, and then I found out later, I was like, oh, everybody likes the show, I guess it's good. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know that I've watched any of the Clone Wars. Okay. I've seen... I've seen maybe like clips on YouTube and stuff when I've looked up, 
you know, different things I've heard people talk about. Yeah. Uh, Rebels I've watched some of. Okay. On Disney Plus once it came out. Yeah. Um, which I hear is really good too, the Rebels. Yeah, yeah. Is, um, but I, I just didn't know if you had just spotted any um, Dave Filoni Easter eggs in this at all. I mean... So- some of this I researched because, again, I, I don't I haven't watched all of ever. I would love to. I have no time. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to watch all of Rebels. I'd love to go back and watch all of Clone Wars. I've looked up guides that people have made of like, if you don't have time, watch these key episodes. And I've thought about doing that. It's just so hard to find time. But anyway, um, I have read a lot. And my understanding is uh, I won't go into all of it, but basically where they left off the rebel stuff and some of these characters, the Sokotano, um, the main kid from rebels, which now my name's, his name's blanking. It's like Catan. That's not Catan. What is the dude's name? I can't remember. You might Mm -hmm. be looking it up. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, his, his character, uh, basically got sort of like unstuck in time or something with, uh, grand Admiral Thrawn. So, which, uh, is, has his own crazy history. He was part of Timothy Zahn's uh, Expanded Universe books way, way back in the day, um, which were then since retconned into Star Wars Legends. Mm-hmm. But then Timothy Zahn came back and did the like official new canon version of him mm-hmm. uh, to bring him back in. So he is canon in this kind. Of, I think he's more or less. I've talked to Austin, my co-host, on his energy. He's told me he's read at least the first book, and it sounds like it's more or less the same as before. Um, so. That it kind of ended, from what I understand, on a lot of unknowns with mm-hmm. the way they ended those those animated series, and they're basically bringing that into Mandalorian. Whether okay. they resolve the Mandalorian or whether they resolve it in another show, they're at least showing like, hey, we're not forgetting about those series. Yeah. So she's looking for Thrawn. So yeah. we now know we'll potentially see him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then if she's looking for Thrawn, it's probably because she's trying to find the kid from Rebels because he was last seen. Oh, fucking cool. Okay. They didn't know any of that. Often. Yeah. Yeah. He was then. Uh, Ezra Bridger. Ezra. Ezra Bridger. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was thinking. I think the guy voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. is named. Can- Cannon. Cannon yeah, Jarrus. I think, I think. Yeah. 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 Cannon. That's what I was thinking. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah. I think that was the biggest thing is. It wasn't just the Ahsoka Tano, because people hadn't seen her either. Uh, she was kind of a, an unknown in terms of where she was at. And so it, it's basically saying, you know, we're, we're not forgetting about this. It's And yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how far they'll go or if it'll be just kind of this and then it'll be their, their own series or they'll do another animated thing. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they also maybe, I was thinking about this today, in Filo- I'm pretty sure it was in Filoni's episode in season one. He did the episode where uh, he like takes that other bounty hunter kid kind of under his wing on a mission, and they're they're hunting down. Um, is it Ming Na Wen's character? She's like a, yeah. another bounty. Yeah. And they're like pinned down in the desert, and she's sniping at him and stuff. Yeah. Um, at the end of that episode, there's a char- There's someone who shows up, and you only see their boots. Right. Right. And- and from what I remember, they don't ever address it in that season anymore. Right. So I was thinking about that today, and it makes me wonder if that was Boba Fett. If right, if who we've seen in this season, Tamara is Morrison is playing Boba right. Fett or not? Yeah. So they're they're clearly cool with setting stuff up. You know. They, yeah. Done, but I brought that up uh, on one of these episodes where it just seems like they're um, a lot of setting up a lot of threads, kind of X Men comic style, where it's like yeah. Chris Claremont's. Oh, let me set out set up these twenty threads, right. and then I'll you know, resolve one or two of them, you know, a year in the media. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, 
let's see here. Um, so we already kind of let the cat out of the bag, the, the big uh, reveal there, uh, Admiral Thrawn, which I've, throughout the years, and especially listening to you in Austin, um, Austin mm-hmm. uh, seems to have, has, he's uh, dived deep into that kind of extended universe stuff. Um, yeah, he grew up reading a lot of those and i i read some but i didn't have uh like i read the i i read the i jedi book and i read some of the ya stuff like i didn't have a concept growing up that there was a cohesive expanded universe yeah whereas for austin i think he did and he knew you know which Mm -hmm. books to read and which ones were like kind of like the core books Mm -hmm. that were expanding the universe and heir to the empire was one of the first big ones right yeah yeah i uh uh you're uh co-host uh, on hideous energy austin uh, i did see him uh, post the tweet that, about this episode so and how excited yeah. he was i'm so glad that he yeah. uh yeah i would imagine for him it's it, it, is he going to be on He's, here i'm trying to i i wanted you guys to kind of be next to each other uh okay. episode wise so I, i'm hoping okay. to have him on the next one okay cool so uh, you should ask him because i i haven't talked to him about it my guess would be the the stuff he was talking about in that tweet was specifically the Thrawn stuff that he was excited about. Even I'm, I'm sure he dug Ahsoka Tano and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Thrawn thing is like he he loved those Timothy Zahn books, those mm-hmm. three. And then I remember him being very sort of apprehensive once Zahn, Zahn came back to write the new books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I'm not taking credit for this, but <laughs> I remember being... I think me recommending one of the new expanded universe books to him kind of helped him be more reset, like into maybe reading more of them. Cause mm-hmm. I think he was more okay. kind of guarded hands off. And yeah. then I read that Claudia Gray book called lost stars. I think it's what it's called. It's a YA uh, book and it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet thing. And the, by the end of the book, this is on the cover. So it's not a massive spoiler mm-hmm. by the end of the book, the two protagonists that are in love are on opposite sides and they're in the battle of um, the planet that Ray is on at the beginning. You can see the Star Destroyer in the sand. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, forget what it is. It's not Tatooine. Ja- Jakku. Like Jakku. Yeah. So it it directly tied into the new movies. But it was a great book. Claudia Gray wrote this great novel. So I think after he read that one and was into it, uh, I think the Thrawn thing was like the next step for him. But mm-hmm. he was still scared because it was yeah, like yeah. They're, they're redoing it, even though it's the same guy. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. I mean, he, he yeah. told me how much he was into it. And I think he's reading the next one right now. And okay. I'd be in a, I think it's a trilogy uh, oh, again. Okay. Yeah. So. No. So I, it sounds from the interactions I've had with with Austin is that he, he's been digging this show. But like I, I didn't know Thrawn was going to be part of, you know, yeah. be revealed. So I'm sure that was a big... Uh, big deal oh, for yeah. him um yeah. i'm wondering who like right away i'm thinking of like actors who could play if they're just going to have a character actor or not or if they have like somebody right. like um like idris elba or something play through you know yeah. like some big reveal that it's some yeah. big actor to play him or something like I've that i've seen so, a lot of of photoshopped me because thrawn's like a, a blue skin right. dude with like it's like red eyes i think mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen a lot of Photoshop. I saw somebody say Mads Mikkelsen, which I was like, that would be great. But, but he was already, um, yeah, in one of he's the a, films. Yeah, he's in a million things. He's, yeah. all, he's a He would name. be great. Like, that's, yeah, yeah. he's got the, yeah. The menacing, sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we're, we'll start winding down here, uh, sure. David. Um, so, uh, I have a multiple choice trivia question for you. And right. knowing now that you're, 
you're you're not too versed in the uh, Clone Wars stuff, um, uh, the uh, uh, animated show. I probably show. would have failed this anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> um, this is uh, Ahsoka Tana, which, by the way, yeah, she was great in this. Like, I was. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't specifically mention her at all. I, yeah, I totally agree. Rosario Dawson, I thought was fantastic. I think she's a great actress anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always liked her. Um, I've felt kind of uneasy about. I don't know all the details about the like legal battle she's in right now. Right. If it's, if it's true, it mm-hmm. seems pretty awful and shady but i don't know so yeah um so i it is worth mentioning that because i don't want to act like i'm not aware mm-hmm. that I'm not, i've not thought that's not crossed my mind looking at her separating the art from the artist just looking at her performance in this episode mm-hmm. uh i thought she was fantastic i mean she um there was an intensity that she had in her fight scenes that reminded me of some of my favorite moments with ray in the new mm-hmm. sequence where it was it was really raw like she mm-hmm. was there's a lot of snarling during the yeah. fight and like a lot of and not in a way that felt, you know, like out of character or completely mm-hmm. crazy, but just like in this fight, like it's yeah. not, it's, you know, it, it's not this like opera or uh, operatic is the wrong word, like, uh, you know, just artsy flipping around, right. you know, nothing can touch her. There is aspects of that, but yeah. when she's in that fight at the end, yeah, uh, it's, it's just like a digging her heels in awesome kind of fight. And then and, and that's acting without any dialogue, obviously mm-hmm. that's just through her face and everything else. Her moments in conversation. Yeah. Um, she has this like very chill, calm, but still kind of funny. Like she, you can tell she yeah. has a sense of humor to her. Yeah. Like she's not, you know, too emo and edgy in a yeah. way where there's, there's, there's still a kindness that you can feel there, even though um, it's, she's gone through a lot of trauma. Well, that's <laughs> like, what I was going to say. Like some yeah. wisdom and like war, like uh, battle worn some. I mean, yeah, uh, and I love that she's a she's a Jedi who's not really a Jedi. I mean, it kind of depends on how you define Jedi, but mm-hmm. the she doesn't believe in it. She's not. She doesn't think that it's without getting like too personal because we don't have time for that. But it mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of how I interact with my own faith system, which is mm-hmm. like I I grew up very you know conservative evangelical Christian mm-hmm. yeah. and was so burned by it, was so disillusioned by mm-hmm. it that where I'm at now is like okay, I have a personal faith system that I still have a connection to in mm-hmm. some way, but I, I absolutely have no interest in reject a lot of stuff that comes with it. I don't yeah. really believe in the organized aspect of it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's a weird comparison to make, but it felt very, if it, it made me feel an affinity towards her right yeah. away. So it's like, okay, I get that. I it, get, it, you know, having something that's intrinsically part of you, but yeah. you know, you might hate a lot about it and not necessarily believe that, you know, it works. It comes, it came across genuine. Is yeah, the, for sure. The character building there. Um, and her lightsabers are bright white, and they look well. Awesome. But also <laughs> wielding two lightsabers and just yeah. being like, I can't remember who I've seen. I'm sure there's Jedi in like Revenge of the Sith or something where right. somebody's got two of them, and plenty in um, Asajj Ventress. I think is that character in Clone yep. Wars. Yep. So that's pretty sweet. She, um, and she fights. She has a specific style too, because she holds them down mm-hmm. like that. I know they've explored that in the in some of the different. That's one of my favorite aspects. That even going back to there was a PlayStation fighting game that was like Masters of, it was like Terras Kasi or something. I forget how you said yeah. whatever the made up word was, but it was that idea of like different. You know, it's there. There's a martial arts element to a lot yeah. of this Jedi training and the way that they fight and. So I, I love it when they incorporate that into a character, and she has that. She has a very specific style and way she she wields her her lightsabers, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my trivia question was: What age did Ahsoka Tano attain rank of Padawan? So Anakin's secret uh, 
not secret mm. pattern. Uh, was he? I, uh, I'm not sure, but what age? So we got a multiple choice question. Um, it's either A14, B15, C16, or D17. When she attained the rank of Padawan. And it's not when, uh, I, I, I'm, from what I've read, she was taken in by Jedi or the Jedi Order at pretty mm. young age because they usually are pretty right. young. Temple but when stuff, she became yeah. a Padawan, it was which, which age? I still, based off the stuff I've read, I still want to guess young. I don't know, but but I, since they're so close, I'm not sure. Like my guess is somewhere between A and B, 14 or 15. I'll say 15. Okay, so yeah, it's at 14. Yeah, they they were this this trivia question. Yeah, it's 14. Oh, it's close. Okay. Uh, it, the well, thing that I read that I thought sounded so cool was the idea was like Yoda assigned her to Anakin specifically because she was a lot like him. She was impulsive. She would rush into stuff and mm -hmm. not think about it. And Yoda's thinking was. If he if he's then responsible for this person and sees how ah. like impulse like impulsivity and how this stuff is going to lead to danger, lead to potentially mm -hmm. her death, that will be a lesson he'll learn for him. Yeah, which, yeah, it was a great, which I think is such a cool idea. So mm -hmm. that's why I guessed young, but not yeah. young enough. Yeah, it's just funny after I I because I just took that off the internet somewhere and then I was like, oh, these ages are just like they, I should have varied them some at least. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, uh, they're right next cool. to each other. But um, gone with my first instinct. Um, so, um, and this is the last thing I got for you, uh, is, uh, expectations for next week's episode and general thoughts. And actually, by the way, one of the things that happened, not in this episode, but the previous one was that the, um, Razor Crest has a tracker be a beacon on it that yeah, the empire or the true. Imperial people or that mechanic put on, yeah. on the, uh, but, uh, expectations for next week's episode and general thoughts moving forward with the season. Man, expectations, I have no idea. Like this, this even though this felt ultimately by the end of it, it was, it then got back to the sort of, you know, tradition of the series, which is now go to this new place to find this new thing with the kid and, you know, and having that lone wolf and cub vibe you know, is going to continue to go. Another uh, Japanese influence. Mm -hmm. uh, I I don't know. I, I feel like they've brought in between Ahsoka Tano mentioning Thrawn, between her, between... Um, I already forgot her name. Bo-Katan. Uh, <laughs> Bo-Katan Bo and, and the other Mandalorians. Yeah. Um, Grandma, those, or not Grandma, I'm talking about Moff Gideon. and Gideon, yeah. There's a lot of pieces yeah. on the board now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they could start making big moves. This also, what, is there going to be eight episodes this season I think it's as eight, well? yeah. And okay. this was, uh, what was it, five, yeah. Five, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we got, we're a little past the halfway mark. Um, I could see it going either way. I could see it, them being, saying, you know, okay, well, we made some big moves here. Now we're going to, you know, kind of maintain this until the finale and then we'll do some stuff to end it with. I could see them just having the next few episodes be like one big kind of climactic thing because everything's been pushed into the right places. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, well, so that that was, what was expectations and what was the second part? Uh, general thoughts on the season moving forward, but yeah. I, I love it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, I th I'm right there with you, man. I think it's a, it's a great series and, and this definitely took it to another level for me. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not expecting them to maintain that because mm -hmm. I, I know with serialized storytelling, you know, you can't have an episode like this every single week right. unless you're in the last season of Breaking Bad. Or I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> way, yeah. Right. Um, so I, I, I'm not expecting that. Uh, the, the stuff that I still think it's intriguing, the idea of going to that planet, which is like an ancient Jedi 
yeah. uh, location, which has been mentioned in Expanded Universe stuff before. Okay. Uh, they rebooted, you know, with the Disney kind of stuff. Um, I know it was part of the, like, the ancient Jedi and the comics and stuff like that, too. This planet existed. Uh, I think that's cool. Um, this bringing in the Jedi. I feel like they've earned it. Austin and I talk about that not all the time because we don't record every week anymore, but we used to talk about that pretty much every time Star Wars would get brought up on the podcast mm-hmm. is the idea of like every story feels so compelled to bring the Jedi in in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things that we were excited about with Mandalorian was that it it wasn't, you know, right. that's one of the things we loved about Rogue One, yeah. even though there was the force and, right. um, and then also I think for some people controversially, even though we both think that scene is cool, it's also like one of our least favorite parts of Rogue One mm-hmm. is the Darth Vader thing because right. it feels very fanservice-y. Great, cool-looking scene. Yes, right. But in a movie that otherwise is setting itself apart as, hey, you don't need this stuff to be successful, mm-hmm. it's kind of an example where they weren't quite uh, confident enough mm-hmm. in the, the Right. Um, I think The Mandalorian, for me, has won me over to where it's like, okay, I think I love Favreau and Filoni's instincts. The directing has always been top-notch from all these people. Uh, the writing's been great. I love the way they're expanding and building the world and the universe and pulling everything in. If more Jedi show up or if they bring that in, it's felt organic. It's felt earned. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's exciting to me now, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like something that I'm going to be like, okay, now we're going to see lightsaber. Like, yeah. no, we had a season where it wasn't that really. Yeah. Um, and they've proven that they don't need to rely on the stuff that a lot of other stuff has as a crutch. Right. Um, so whatever they want to do, you know, I'm yeah. on board for, yeah, I yeah. Trust them the yeah, they've, they've, uh, won me over for sure. But I, I do like that aspect of it, that it's, it's the star Wars universe is so enormous with so many different like races and, and, and groups of characters and, and also the time, like you can go a thousand years prior, a thousand years in the future yeah. from a new hope, uh, a battle of Yavin or whatever. But, um, it doesn't all have to revolve around the Skywalker family. Yeah. Like it's so immersive with I, so many cool I don't characters know if will anymore because of how it all went down. Yeah. But one of the things I was most and still am, if it's still on, on the table excited about was Ryan Johnson doing those new movies. Yeah. That, I hope that, that happens. Be anything you yeah. know, connected to this stuff. It was yeah. going to be another pocket of the universe somewhere else. Brand new characters. Like yeah. that's fantastic, you know? Yeah. And, and it, the idea that it, it makes total sense that for a lot of these characters, most of them, in fact, especially in this era of, of the Mandalorian, they don't know what Jedi are. Like they've never seen one right. before, you know, like it's, it seems like something that's made up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause the universe is, is vast and mm-hmm. there's all these cultures and planets and, and races. So yeah, I, I I'm totally, totally with you. I think it, they can go to some crazy places and it, this feels very exciting to me in the same way that, um, the, in a different way than Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, I felt like he was really doing stuff where it was like, this is for the good. Of, this is what we need to do. And that was the theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it was also what he was trying to accomplish as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It hurts to go through change. But the whole idea of like the the burden of a master is that they are they grow beyond what we are, whatever the quote was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it felt like some great medicine in a way yeah. and some great sort of growth. It, uh, and change. it creates more opportunities story-wise, I think when you Absolutely. go that route. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, is not in the same way, but it feels, uh, it, it feels very much like we've got, you know, people that are fans with great ideas mm-hmm. and probably won't be, you know, changing things the way Johnson was kind of trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but still will feel, 
you know, well done, well mm-hmm. executed. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, dude, thanks so much. Um, absolutely. Yeah. This was super fun. This is a uh, great. And, uh, uh, you know, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we got a couple more episodes to look forward to. Um, and, um, yeah, let's, uh, wrap it up here. This has uh, been season two, episode five of the Mandalorian chapter 13, the Jedi. And, uh, so this has been Hector for David saying so long and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.